This is Jeremy Hemsley of the Sheffield Sharks. This is Lloyd Gardner, head coach of the Manchester Giants. This is Lavelle Cook of the Surrey Scorchers. This is Matthew Brian Eminen of the Cheshire Phoenix. This is Vince McCauley of the London Lions. And you are now tuned into. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned into the BBL show. The BBL show. The BBL show. Okay, summer, summer, summer time. Welcome to the BBL show off season. This is episode one. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I mean, I feel like my life deserves to be in a warm climate, sunshine environment. So I've definitely been soaking it up as opposed to everybody else in Britain. When the weather gets nice, they feel the need to conversate about it every 24 hours. Just get out there, get the barbecue on, get the beers out and enjoy it. Don't talk about how nice the weather is. (laughs) But regardless of that, Enough about me. How about you, my man? First day on the job. How's that been? Yeah, good, man. Good. I mean, I got in about 11 o'clock. So we've we've been at the football club all day. Again, absolutely stunning day. Did some photographs, did some radio stuff, met some key people. That's been pretty cool. And then kind of, I guess, a funny offshoot. So for for a small period of time, I'm staying with my grandmother right now. We're just trying to figure out kind of logistics and the move and all this kind of stuff. And so I've arrived at the house and I'm like, okay, you know, what's the Wi-Fi code? And she doesn't know what Wi-Fi is. And uh, so there, there, there's no internet. So I'm personal hotspot in. We haven't got any desks around here. So like I've just got this purpose built set up. Actually, if you look behind my head, there's this old school... VHS set up. On <laughs> you the, got the on, mermaid on there. So I, I'm literally in the boondocks, but no, I, I'm loving it, man. Like uh, I've got family here. I want this to be the best it can be. So I'm excited. Day one, got the gear, you know, it's, it's all the exciting times. We just got to bed it in now. Well, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. And I know you're going to make it happen and just, See, oh, that just has a ring to it, man. That sounds that sounds sexy. Yeah, it sounds like some, some people have some faith in me, so I better start actually doing something. And uh, time will tell. There's there's some cool stuff on the horizon. So uh, you know, watch this space, as they say. Back to episode one, though. Could we start any bigger than manager of digital content for the Chicago Bulls, former Leicester Rider Media and Comms, Joe Pinchin? We go hot topic on Justin Flight Gordon. We have the Lasker look back. But first, your social media spy. It's the Marriott Minute. Okay, intrigued me. The Romantic Minute. Congratulations to our WBBL correspondent, Siobhan Pryor. She got engaged over the bank holiday. Amazing news. And we look forward to our next catch up where we can get all the juicy details. Engaged me, our first summertime loss for the league. Newcastle Eagles high flyer and BBL show guest, Justin Gordon is moving on. He's heading to Belgium for his next adventure. One of my favorite players of the season. We wish him good luck from all of us here at the show. Amused me. This has to be one of my favorite spy moments of all time. Mr. Lasker posted a picture of himself cuddling his trophies. He's a proud man, but a social media troll was awaiting for him. 
None other than Mrs. Lasker with the best comment. Wish you hugged me like that. An absolute classic. And that wraps up a rather quick Marriott Minute. I'm always watching. I mean, shout out to Miss Lasker. And I've actually, for those that don't know my wife, she is a prankster and a jokester. So the last very good. <laughs> she's been extra with it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? She's just been taking it to another level. So maybe it's the sun, maybe because the season is finished. Who knows? But also happy. Speaking of wife, also really happy to see the joy on Siobhan's face across social media today. Really happy for her. But to celebrate, let's pop on your sunglasses and let's take a ride in my Maserati. Huh? As we shift to the Alaska look back. In this episode of the Alaska look back, we begin our summer road trip in the windy city. Unfortunately, with all the restrictions in place, Jay and I were unable to make the trip to Chi-Town. Not like we have the budget anyway. Therefore, we make it virtually. Chicago's nickname was adopted because it sits right on Lake Michigan with the skyline punctuated by skyscrapers. With a population of 2.71 million, there's a list of things you can do, but you gotta make sure you visit Sears Tower. At 110 stories, it's one of the tallest buildings in the world. While you view the third largest city from the top, make sure you grab a deep dish pizza from Chicago's Pizza while you're at it. After you enjoy your view to kill, head over to the north side to Wrigley Field and catch a Cubs game. Hopefully you don't run into any White Sox fans on the way. That could get ugly. Finally, hop on the subway and head over to the beautiful United Center. Make sure to rubs Jordan statue before heading in. Now, grab your popcorn, enjoy the floor seats, and let's watch Joe Pynchon in action as he captures still shots of some of the best players in the world. And that is your Alaska look back. And great look back, sir. Let's get our main man in the room, a true talent with an amazing story from the BBL to the NBA manager of digital content for the Chicago Bulls, Joe Pynchon. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are things? Things are good. Off season here, summertime Chicago, weather's picking up a little bit. And seems to be moving uh, a little further and further away from pandemic time. So, yeah, all good for me. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And you're actually episode number one and Jay and I's summer road trip. So thank you for the hospitality there in Chicago. Nice backdrop, by the way. Is that basketballs made of the Chicago Bulls logo? Yeah, well, for those listening, Drew asked me to have something look ballsy. So considering <laughs> we don't have the court down I'm now. I'm supposed to tell him that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he took the brief, literally. But no, this is so we're in. I'm in our offices right now. Our offices are actually technically closed at the moment because of COVID and and the, you know, the rules Chicago still has in place. And Bulls trying to be as cautious as as possible. Uh, obviously, we've gone over a year now of working from home, so um, still working from home. But yeah, in in the office today, so that you guys have something a little better looking than my kitchen to have as a backdrop for for this one. And ma'am, don't we appreciate it? No, thanks for your time. 
like I said, this is a great one for us, the road trip. We can really dig into people's stories and and not not kind of have that distraction of the league. So we're, we're excited. I, I want to go early years, Joe, right now. So tell us about life before the BBL and then just how you came to work for the Riders. Go way, way back. Played as a young kid at Trowbridge Hawks for a guy called Vince Marriott, who I'm sure you're very familiar with. Very good dude. Definitely instilled love of the game for me. Someone that I, I regularly reached out to at different milestones throughout my time so um, yeah started playing young then moved from Wiltshire up to Lincolnshire very little basketball there stopped for a little while got back into the game later was quite academic in school worked hard got decent grades was looking at where to go to university had the standard 18 year old American dream try and get out to the States come out work out look at junior colleges realize everything's really really expensive unless you're better than the American kids which is a scrawny 18 year old it definitely would have been a very bad recruit for anybody but yeah enjoyed the game just gave me something that I think I, you know I was better than peers at enjoyed the repetition enjoyed different parts of it ended up at university in Loughborough playing and studying there much before what the program is now, playing for Martin Ford and Lee English and other people there. So, yeah, just fell in love with the game, knew that my body was horribly built for any physical activity, broke down pretty quickly, but I enjoyed it, knew that I wanted to be involved and was kind of self-aware enough to immediately start, once I got to that sort of adult age, 18, 19, to start using basketball so that, I could grow into a profession in some point, you know, early doors, that was, that was more coaching. I would, you know, coach lower teams at university, play on the men's team, coach the women's team, stuff like this. As the program grew, that led to more of an operations type role as a student, as kind of, you know, club secretary, club president type things. You see it at more at smaller um, university sport programs that are, that are more student led basketball. Loughborough had a, a poor reputation in terms of, how I interacted with its staff, its ability to spend money it didn't have, which I always tried to do anyway. But and generally just tried, it wasn't in a great place. I tried to turn it around. And director of sport at the time was open to partnerships. And I had actually stepped away a little bit, was playing in Nottingham at the time. And the riders were looking, you know, Russell had been involved, I think, a year or maybe two at that point at the riders, wanting to grow into, you know, a pathway, had a vision of being able to recruit and hold on to younger British guys, try and move further away from one and done contracts um, that the BBL at the time was you know, infamous for, especially the Americans, just having people in and out a lot, had a lot of inconsistency with rosters. So yeah, trying to hold on, give pathway to, to young British guys that were either coming out of the States or uh, hadn't gone to the States and had chosen to stay in the UK. So how I got involved with the riders was through that, like once the deal was done and the initial partnership was set up with, with Russell and, and the university started out, kind of got back involved, shared his vision of what it could be, which is why I stayed as long as I did. <laughs> it was, it's something like Loughborough is like, it's a special place. If you've been on campus for the UK, like it's got everything you need at your doorstep to be really, really great. Um, and I wouldn't say we reached really, really great, but I think we took some good strides towards that. So yeah, was volunteer, and so basically took a job, having was playing for the Hoods in Nottingham, took a job in Loughborough, 
that allowed me to work more shift related. So I was, you know, duty manager at sports facilities, uh, assistant at some of the sports facilities, worked some of the events at the university, but was either working from eight till two or from two till 10 p.m. So for me, that just meant I had from eight till two or two till 10 every day to spend time working in basketball. Um, so I did that, did it for a, a little over a year, helping grow the program, helping run the program, not being paid, just grow, like trying to grow and grew to the point where, you know, I was then, you know, doing basketball work at work <laughs> consistently. And don't worry, I was still making sure I did a great job at my paying job, but definitely knew that like basketball was my passion took the pay cut from a, a nice paying university job into a British basketball job and yeah jumped on board full-time as a nice loose title of operations manager was doing a bit of everything when I started but that's kind of that was the story from early years great sessions with Vince Marriott at Trowbridge Hawks through to uh through to joining the Raiders. Well it sounds like you made the right decision uh betting on yourself and uh, moving into basketball full time. And speaking of the writers, obviously they were able to lift the league title up and you kind of spoke to us a little bit off air about your schedule. And just for our listeners out there, how much are you able to keep an eye on the league and what are your thoughts of the BBL this season? Yeah. So high level able to stay kind of pretty much up to date. Um, definitely didn't watch too, too many games. It's normally in the middle of a work day here. NBA season this year, we played a compressed schedule. We were essentially playing every other day. So you're either catching up on other work or traveling in that off day. So yeah, I didn't watch a whole ton live, obviously following content, following social, regularly talking to, to people back home. So yeah, I was able to follow a little bit. Glad that the league happened first and foremost. I think that that in itself goes understated that so many leagues around the world were not able to make that work, both financially or logistically, like to pull off a season in the last you know, 14 months is no joke. So yeah, definitely happy the league like, you know, survived, continued to, to thrive. I think that I'm happy to see, you know, steps forward from the Sky Sports deal to how the arenas looked for, you know, the semifinals and the finals. I think that for me, I always took the approach of, in today's age, like you're measured against what else is on people's phones, right? So like when you're seeing the BBL, you're seeing it next to the EuroLeague, you're seeing it next to the NBA more so than ever before. You go back, you know, 15, 20 years, that wasn't the case. You were consuming what was on your TV and what was on what you could travel towards, what you could read in your newspaper. So I'm glad like from a, a brand sense, especially like finals, semifinals, finals, thought the league looked superb, was, was super proud to be associated with with that in some loose way I played no part in it at all um was jealous a little bit I like, would have liked to have captured some of that thought it looked cool yeah man so happy happy that you know the riders continue to play well from a selfish sense but also happy there was more com competition across teams this year I think that there was some like some better competition across the top you know four five six teams than there has been consistently for the last decade or so, which is great. I think it's a sign of growth. I think it's great that although it may have been a product of COVID and travel restrictions, like high-level British guys stayed at home and played. I think that's a great trend and I hope it continues. And I hope it continues in the sense that clubs are able to provide 
a viable option for them too, rather than saying like, oh, guys should be playing in the UK. Like the guys that stayed were because there was the best option for them, I'm sure. So that meant that a British club is the best option for a GB point guard, for a GB forward. So like, I think that's a great place to be. I think it gives, you know, personalities to attach to, people to build around. Great to see Teddy stay next year. I think that's a testament to the level of the league. You know, if he had done one year, bounce back out to Greece or something like maybe you start to question well like was it COVID like was it something else but like he's obviously had a positive enough experience not only to stay in the league but also just to jump teams which means he's seen enough from another team not just his own organization so I think things like that like this high level you see the British guy playing in the UK that's great I think when you dive into it what that means is teams are doing a better and better job to be able to attract that level of, of domestic player, um, which can only be a good thing. So, um, I mean, I can talk about a whole kind of things with BBL, but I'm glad. I think the season was positive for the league. Um, proud of the the people involved to pull it off um, and have it end on, on such a high note with such a high quality looking product to finish with how the arena was dressed and things in Leicester. Yeah, I mean, the arena was great. Just before we kind of came online to chat, you, you dropped a little bit of a golden nugget when we were talking about the final, saying that you were actually watching some of that game with a particular individual. So can you uh, talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, so obviously, like myself and Fab out here, it's funny, I mean, I posted about it earlier in the season, you know, I spent my entire time in the BBL looking across at, at rivalry games in Newcastle and they were always like, the most fun to cover, most fun to watch, most fun to be a part of. And there's no disrespect to any other team in the league. It was just, as I joined, it was the natural rivalry and it then just thrived. And those battles back in 2012, 13, 14, and those like first pieces of silverware for the riders, like that was cool. It was cool to be involved in. And now I'm here. Yeah, it just happened to be that the, the day of, of riders versus Eagles was the same day we played the Raptors at, uh, in Chicago. So standing in the hallway uh, taking our walking photos and obviously Fab walks in with, with the Raptors bus and we both watched the game or parts of the game like we, we, it was game day for both of us so we're both busy but uh, we both caught about you know probably two-thirds of the game and had seen kind of the, the key moments and some momentum swings and uh, and what had happened and and so yeah, it was fun it was just you know, it's, it's funny that I probably had more conversations with Fab since I've been here than I ever did in the BBL uh, as people are like probably not someone that I would have been going up to and talking to pre-game right before <laughs> final, right? So now it's a little like, you know, people arriving at arenas a lot, a lot, lot, lot before the tip, a little more decompressed environment before we lock in and get the competitive juices going. So it's nice. It's nice to reflect and reminisce a little bit, hear his thoughts. Um, obviously, like us being from rival teams then and now both in the Eastern Conference, uh, I'm going to see, see a bunch of him, which is cool. It's cool to see his journey and his progression, see him working with guys and, you know, level of respect he immediately has with them and, and the work he's doing with them. It's pretty, it's cool. It's super cool to see. So yeah, definitely shared a little moment pre-game in the, in the entrance hallway of him arriving uh, after the game is kind of ironic. The timing that the, the, the two games happened on the same day this season. Yeah, that's super interesting. And, and obviously look that, the BBL has this closeness with the NBA, you know. So if you look at names, you Nick Nurse, Chris Finch, Cody Topper, Fab Flanoy, Nate Rankin, you know, yet we still see that it is this kind of far away fantasy if we talk about it out loud, you know. So I think the real value for the listeners is how did this opportunity come about? Because obviously you talked about 
getting to that point where it's very loosely basketball operations. Like, how did this creative start to come to life and then actually turn into an NBA dream? Before jumping in, I'll answer your question, but two other two other names quickly. Like, also at the Bulls, John Bryant is assistant coach here. He played for the Eagles. Yeah, and then Pat Connolly is also here. Was with the Bryant Bears with Nick Nurse. So it's even just within the Bulls organization, you got. And our, our digital director is actually British, although he had no involvement in, in the BBL. So yeah, it's, it's funny to, to jump halfway across the world and then be sharing stories of experiences back home with like two or three people when we're on the road or pre-game when we're chatting and catching up. You know, like those guys still follow it. They still know people in the league, know people around the game uh, outside of the BBL too. So it's fun. It's, it's it's fun to share those experiences with with people that have had very very different journeys, but similar touch points along the way. And like like you said, like the I think it's fair to say the BBL is super close with the NBA, but I do think it's that basketball is just this tight knit sport in general. Like I have people I know in Australia. I was talking with them on Instagram last night. The I mean, like just we met like very very briefly one time and now like we've stayed in touch and now like he's involved in straight like the australian league and like he came and shot a game in chicago it's just like it's it's crazy the the connections and like, i think the culture of just being like less so here but very much so in the uk like you're not soccer right like you're not football and i think like the the struggle of it i think just breeds this like companionship between people because we've all kind of gone through the similar things and when you it's crazy, like, talk to to Pat here and John, like, they were in a BBL almost, like, a decade or so before I was, and, like, yet we still share share some of the positives and a bunch of the negatives of things that still happen, both positively and negatively. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to have those connections and, and to express them. But to answer your question, how it came about, um, for me, I've always been quite creative. I've always been someone that enjoyed art at school, photography, like, visual manipulation photoshopping things like it was always kind of there enjoyed sketching as a hobby when i was a teenager and emo dramatic paintings when i was a late teen and like that that part of me was all always kind of there um parents are both creative in their own ways and so for me it was it bred out of necessity from a writer sense you know i didn't enjoy where we were from a visual sense when i started I didn't think it was acting to move the club forward, which is something I try to do every day I was there, tried to leave it in a better place and I found it. And I think so. And then I've got a big mouth in meetings and I'll, I'll openly say what needs to change. And so it kind of bred from a place of like, Hey, like, you know, you know, our photography stuff's good, but we need to do more video. So I'll go on then. So, okay. Well, you know, this is good, but we need to do more of that. I'll go on then. So BBL, was, for me, it was just perfect timing. I came in in a place where the league in general didn't do a great job with social media. The writers were in you know, its infancy. I think I had you know, less than 1,000 followers on Instagram, had a semi-active Twitter account and that, that tweeted you know, play-by-play in games. And then we used Billy as our, as our photographer alongside the league when we could, and then a couple more local photographers but no one that was, you know, bespoke to the writers. So then there was massive inconsistency there. So for me, I came in and like, if I stood on the baseline with an iPhone and tweeted a highlight of Rashad Hassan Duncan, that would like perform well. 
And then I was like, okay, well, I can make that a little bit better. Let me try a GoPro. And it's like, oh, well, you know, that performed better. And oh, this is kind of fun. Let me try something else, rent a camera from the university, you know, film on the baseline, put together, see what like Sam's doing with the Who's Fix. You know, oh, well, actually, maybe I can replicate that to some extent. Let me try and do some highlights. I will now Vili's left and move back to Finland. Like, can I do some more photography? We buy a secondhand camera, start to learn photography, spend a few hours on YouTube. You know, at the time, it was a time of BBL player was loosely around, although that didn't come for like my first year or two. So we had an away game in Cheshire. Cheshire had sold it out. I think we had like 50 tickets or whatever the league like minimum was. And we had like, you know, 100 plus fans wanting to watch the game. So, well, you can't buy a ticket. Sorry. And by the way, we don't live stream it. So you can't see it anywhere. It was like, well, damn, like we can probably live stream it. Let's learn how to live stream it. And it just came and it just went on and on like that. Like, what's the problem? How can we try and solve it? And that was creative, like from a digital media sense. But that was the same way of like, hey, we don't have a coach for our third team at Loughborough women's program. Like, how do we fix that? How do we fix that? England doesn't give us enough court time to run as a high level program and say that we can actually offer this. Like how can we build a relationship where, you know, our guys can use it court whenever they want, like, so that that's comparable to going to a D1, D2 school where you can walk into a gym with a thumbprint. Well, they should be able to walk in here and just ask to have the rooms put down. Like what, why can that not happen? And so it was just everything, everything in our program was bred out of problem solving there's a bunch of problems in British basketball to solve. So it's, it's easy to stay locked into that mindset. And so, yeah, so it kind of grew from that as I got better, that then led to more people asking me to do things. And I just sort of said yes to everything, whether that was, you know, basketball England needing a community event covered in Sheffield and wanted me to come down and make a video or FIBA 3X3, seeing what we were doing, like in our tone, jumping in with them to do social media remotely and then ended up on site for a few events as well before I left, you know, Den Camp stuff, five or six stuff with other athletes and helping them with some things through our partnership with the riders um, and kind of highlighting to other sports. And then, you know, friendship groups being like, oh, like, could you come and help take some photos of this event? And like, it just kind of snowballed. I'm someone that tries to learn skill sets try i'm not particularly comfortable normally with just sort of sitting back i want to be better at something and then i also feel like i'm someone that has a realistic understanding of what being the best means so if you're saying you have world-class facilities then you best have world-class facilities if you're saying you have world-class social media or branding like, well, Nike has world-class social media and branding. Like, are you Nike? Oh, no. Okay, well, how can you close that gap somehow? Like, how can we get more facility access? Whatever that is. So I think it was just kind of how it came about was that. And then those things just snowballed to being in China with Dwayne Wade whilst he was at the Bulls, made a small connection there. The digital director here was British, had done some stuff with NBA UK in the UK. He was able to give like a bit of a warm intro I didn't take many holidays whilst I was at the Riders. Any time I took away from the UK was work. So took a few days, came out to Chicago, met them, had a good rapport, seemed like a cool place, seemed like great people. Never really know when like that snapshot and someone's hosting you, but general judge was was good. And then as time went on, this is, you know, this is all happening over the course of like three, four years. It was never with the like, oh, let me go and network at Chicago and maybe I'll get a job there. It was 
honestly like, hey, let me go and see what the Bulls are doing. They have some cool brand. Like everybody knows who the Bulls are. Like what can I steal from that to make us better at the BBL? Um, and like for me, like personally, I enjoy that. So I'm happy to spend my dollars or pounds, spend my money coming out here, flying out, sacrificing holiday time in the summer to like get those experiences. Felt it was valuable to me as a person and my journey and never knew like how those things would play out, but was always down and continue to be down for them. I mean, we were talking before this, I'm someone that is down to be involved in any and all projects because I'll get something out of it selfishly, right? Like it's that selfless selfishness that if I can spend some time trying to improve something, then I'm probably going to learn something for me that's going to benefit me down the line. And I'm also probably going to enjoy it. So win-win for everybody. So yeah, that was kind of the, the backstory. The job came up. They were looking to expand their content team with a basketball-minded person that was able to speak, you know, different languages of video graphics, you know, the on-court basketball side, able to interact with a lot of the different people around the business. And again, through saying yes to everything and trying to learn, like I knew the writer's business inside out. I knew how, what we were doing with sponsors. I knew what we were doing with tickets and I didn't do that stuff day to day, but too much anyway. Like, so, but I knew of it. So like, then I've landed here and I'm talking to our ticketing department and I know like how to interact with them. I know what it's like to have season ticket holders that don't want to renew or have too much demand and you're dealing with sold out crowds and having how you deal with that. So yeah, job came up and from a product of all of that journey, which is why it was a terribly long monologue there, but yeah, product of all of that work just kind of landed me as, as a good candidate, beat off four or 500 people or so for the role. Um, and then on top of that was able to be good enough that they were willing to wait four and a half months for me to sort a visa out uh, when an American probably could have started in two weeks. So it wasn't just a case of being better than everyone else. It was being good enough to mean that the team were willing to pick up the slack for half an NBA season whilst I, whilst I wasn't here. So lucked out, was able to be in the right place at the right time for a bunch of different things and has resulted in, in this point so far. Wow. I mean, so many lessons in your story there. Um, for our listeners. But so now your current role with the Bulls is manager of digital content. Obviously, you guys are in the off season right now, but just give us a quick little snapshot of a 24 hour day for yourself in the midst of a season. Yeah. So I, I came in, I got a little bit of what normal life was. And then everything since then has been COVID times. So this year, I've been one of two content people that were in the NBA tier system. So able to be, you know, on the team plane in the practice facility. So my role has been a lot of the, the capturing on the ground alongside the kind of look ahead of what's coming up from our content strategy. So we're looking at content across the Bulls universe. So that's, you know, at Chicago Bulls, it's social media. It's also our website. It's also email. It's also what we're doing for our season ticket holders, we don't have social media in our titles, nor does does anyone in our uh, department. We're all digital. So it's it's about how we're telling the story day to day. So for me, that's a lot of, I mean, the exotic glamorous bits, uh, travel with the team, shoot the games, take photos, help with whatever needs to be captured from for whatever part of our business this year. The realistic thing is that's probably 10% of the work and the rest is spent on Zoom calls, emails and spreadsheets, planning and discussing what we're doing and, and talking with different departments on how we can you know, help them with their content. We're a department that spans a lot of different parts of our business due to the nature of 
being in digital space, especially this season. And so every 24 hours is different, different points of the year, things are, are different priorities. But for the most part, it's that. It's how how can we create something that is a very, very cool, legendary digital experience for Bulls fans, for people that might be Bulls fans, um, the people used to be Bulls fans, and try and build our fandom, build our business, create revenue for the business. It's definitely something that's very much more poignant being on the business side. Like, you know, we need to bring money in. Like, there's, we do a lot of cool stuff, but I think at times, especially riders, like, I got caught up in, hey, I want to do this because it's cool, especially early years. It's like, cool, you spent three hours making a mixtape. Like, did that cause someone to buy a ticket? Did that create an email sign up? Did that make a season ticket holder want to renew? Like, so we're trying to enhance the business, we're trying to build fandom. We've been trying to tell tell some cool stories and be there for our team to write, provide them content, help them in any ways we can within the limits we have, and then yes, yeah, try and try and make the balls something that is cool to be involved in, whatever level your fandom is for the organization. Oh, that's great, and like obviously, I've seen you doing a lot of work with Zach Levine building his profile as a uh, as a star of the Bulls team, really. But who are some of the other players that you, you've most enjoyed working with? Who's who's kind of made this process? Because like you said, it, it's it's been a very different experience. So I, I imagine this bubble has, has made you guys be much more close-knit because <laughs> who else are you going to talk to, you know? like Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we've NBA rules and things like you can't leave your hotel on the road and stuff like this. So like you are with the team. Um, you know, we had a season that was not at the level I'm sure everyone hoped and wanted it to be. Um, but it's fun. Like the, to answer your question in terms of players, like it's fun to work with everyone for different reasons. Like there's no one, Zach, in terms of it being his first all-star campaign, we did probably more things with and around this year. And he's a you know good dude, family guy. And so we were able to tap into some of that and just make some real kind of like heartwarming stuff this year, which was fun. A little away from just, you know, the the capturing him jumping all over the place and doing ridiculous things on a basketball court. But the the group we had both pre and post trade deadline were were awesome, good people, hardworking, want to be successful. So it was fun to work with like, they're all different parts of their journeys. You know, we have like vets like Thad and, and Garrett that are towards the the back end of their NBA career, but they're also, you know, they're still building their brands and they're looking more off court and they have a thousand and one things going on, always on the phone, always busy. And it's fun to, you know, work with them, learn from them. Uh, and then all the way through to, we have, you know, the youngest guy in the rookie class in Patrick Williams, who's starting NBA games at 19 years old and is a very different 19 year old to what you have at Loughborough University. And just seeing him navigate the NBA and, professionalism and due diligence that he came in with uh incredible and so yeah had had fun there's there's no i wouldn't say anyone like wouldn't isolate anyone like it's it's it was fun to work with everyone it's fun to get to know some of them a little bit but generally you know, you're there to try and do your job the best you can and i think it was just for me just cool to see how the best in the world go about business right like how do they come into practice what do they do pre-practice what are they doing post-practice like what are they eating on the plane, like how are they carrying themselves around fans? Although we didn't have a ton of that um, since I've been here, you know, how are they interacting with the coach, how are the coaching staff, like it's fun to get to know them a little bit. 
Um, you know, I mentioned John Bryan in terms of his BBR experiences. It's cool to learn some of their journeys and you know share some some dinners and some time on the in the mini camp and on the road. And, and again, I said before, like basketball is such a close knit community that you start talking and you realize that you know Damian Cotter here knows Kate Oliver, who played for the Riders WBBL team, and it's like staring sharing stories of her and like he still knows like how she was and things like this. So it's like it's cool just to like get to know everybody from a personal sense. For me, I have come to a new country. I know nobody, right? Like I know no one other than the people I work with in Chicago. Um, and it's not exactly a bunch of social opportunities in the last 14 months, even on the on the rare occasion you haven't even enough. So it was fun from that sense. And it was it was definitely even more fun from a just observing how like I said, like the the best in the world get to do it. And like, for me, I was every t- maximum people team teams have with like two, maybe three, most people had one. So you're one of like 30 to 70 people in the world who got to kind of witness this NBA season up close. I think that, that, never, that was never too far removed from, from my head. And, and we talk about it with, with the rest of the content team and guys I would switch out with for a couple of weeks and, and things like it's, it was a crazy position to be in. Um, Definitely more strange for some teams, like what Tampa, what the Raptors did in Tampa and lived in hotels for a year and stuff is mind-boggling. But yeah, it was just fun. It was just all every part of it was fun. It was challenging at times, which is also fun. Like I love the learning experiences. You know, we dropped the ball on things and that was fun. And we have a mindset where we've kind of embraced those any failings we've had, we've kind of absorbed them and be fun to to re-look at that for next season as we go forward. Yeah, so just in terms of like um, part of what you do, what 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 do you enjoy the most? What what what's the most fun part? Because I mean, I guess it's easy for us on the outside just to look and think, well, it must be pretty cool, like traveling to the games and taking the photographs, et cetera, et cetera. But there may be something really left field that that really tickles you, you know? Yeah, for me, like oddly, I've I've always enjoyed like the the organization side of things like so the writers had this perfect storm where i was able to help like build a program with loughborough and charmwood and deal with a bunch of logistical nightmares but um try and solve those problems from a day-to-day case be reliable for the program be you know consistent in that in that basis and that was fun and like here that's now shifted into working with multiple content teams so to in terms of moments like my favorite moment of pre- is games is that, and you see us if you look at my Instagram feed, is like the pregame, like the moment where players are like, they're about to be introduced and you have this like, okay, it's go time moment. And like, these guys are like about to go and take out, like they're the best in the world and they're about to go against the best in the world. And to win a single NBA game is hard. <laughs> like it's not easy to win in a league. And I think like, that's why it's crazy to see like what MJ did, what LeBron's doing, like what these greats do consistently for years. But so from a, what I enjoyed the most, that pregame moment where the guys are, you know, saying a prayer or stretching and going through their own routines or like whatever they need to do to get themselves in a headspace, probably with a body that hurts like hell after a crazy season to go out and battle for the 70th, first time in four months um that's cool i love those moments and then organizationally like love the ability to work with like like like-minded people with talent 
We have, you know, designer in Jimmy Mitchell, he's at Hometown Designs. Like his stuff is legitimately the best in the world. Okay, like arguably the best in the world. Top, like this, I would struggle to have anyone say he's not like a top 10 sports designer in the world. And I get to speak to him every day and see how he works and learn from like, so, and that's like one guy, we have a department of a hundred people in, in the business side of the bulls. Like there's, there's a bunch. So it's that it's like the, the planning the organization. And then just like being able to in normal times, like tap someone on the shoulder and be like, yo, like, what are you working on? Or like, yo, like what were you doing before the bulls? Cause you probably had a, a crazy journey. And like, we have, you know, people here from, you know, colleagues Singapore, colleague also from the UK, from Serbia, from you know, one Polish heritage. Like, so we've all had like really re- unique journeys. So like, getting to like, it's just the people part, man. Like, I think that's probably coming across. But like, the players, the coaches, the business. Like, it's cool to see what makes them tick. It's cool to learn how to work with them so that we can get better. Uh, it's cool to argue with them and see like what makes them tick, what pisses them off, like what what their breaking points are like, and then try and like help each other to, to overcome those things. Like just that, that side of like high performance environment for me has always been super interesting. And so, yeah, I think that that side of it has been, has been fun this year and hopefully continues. I think it'll be more natural when we're back in an office and in a little bit more close proximity to each other, but definitely enjoyed the learning so far and like the years flown by. It's nuts that I've been here as long as I have already, I feel like I'm still the new guy. So it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And, and as you mentioned before, you're one of two who get the opportunity to travel with the team on the road, just share with us and the listeners, something about the NBA road life that maybe open your eyes before you were able to get inside. Obviously we see the pictures of guys getting off the plane, getting on the plane, or maybe arriving to the hotel, but what's something about the NBA road life that you didn't even realize before you actually started traveling with the team? And I don't know how best to explain this, but I'll try. Like it's both like ridiculously cool and utterly monotonous at the same time. And so the way, like what that is like, you're traveling on like these charter flights, staying in the best hotels in every city, eating ridiculous food, seeing the world like you know you'd have you know the morning or an evening to like go for a jog and see places that like i would never have had like salt lake city utah on my to visit list if i was going on holiday right but i post on instagram like i went for a jog i ran up a hill and there's maybe the most picturesque court i've been on in my life looking over these like ridiculous mountains that i've never seen before and like you know then we go to phoenix and we're talking with someone that has lived their whole lives and it's like learning how they've lived. And it's like, so, but at the same time, like, again, there's, that's the glitz and glamour point, which is probably 5% of it. The realistic fact is like, you're working, right? So like, yeah, like you're on a nice comfortable plane, but you're at your laptop editing or like grind, like you're grinding, you get in at two, three in the morning, you're back on a call that, you know, especially if you're on the West coast and now like everyone's at home. So there's this like, unwritten expectation to be at things right like to be on zoom calls and our organization does a great job in, in trying to find us some form of balance which is which is really nice and definitely thankful for but me being so like i don't want to miss anything like i want to be there to hear what's going on too so you know get in at three in the morning you're on a call at 7 30 the next day and then you might not tip till 9 p.m that day you've got 
bunch of Zoom calls, you know, rush to practice, try and get some content out, rush back to the hotel, another more Zoom calls. So like, I think the, when people reach out, they, you know, they reach out, oh, it must be like a dream job. And like, it is, it absolutely is. But it is because I enjoy all those Zoom calls and I enjoy the rushing around to try and get content and the stress that comes with that. And like, I don't really like, if we were staying in a holiday express for 50 bucks a night, I would be just as happy in my job as us staying in this millionaire's palace of a hotel. And so I think that's the, the thing I would echo is it's like, it's a job and it's a grind. And like, if you don't enjoy the job, the perks of it wear off pretty quick, right? Like it's going to be strange for me, like go back and fly domestically or fly internationally. And like, just had charter flights for 42 games or 41 games or whatever it was like it's nuts but like you move past for me anyway like I'm, I don't know I've never put too much attention into that like I want to do the work that's why I'm here like I want to work with like-minded people I want to push things forward I want to build things um, want to tell cool stories want to inspire fans want to inspire people like that's what gets me going in a day like sitting on a nice jet or like staying in a nice hotel like is just a vehicle to be doing what I want to be doing and so that's what I mean. so like it's and it's the same like this year especially right like drive to the city grab your bag help unload the truck a little bit grab your bag go to your room do a little bit of work go grab some food go back to your room eat food do more work go to sleep wake up zoom calls practice zoom calls game fly home repeat 42 times so it's like it's the same. And as the NBA rules got relaxed, right? Like I said, Salt Lake, Utah was never on my like travel list. Like San Francisco was, and we were there on a day where we flew in Saturday. We played Monday. We had Sunday off completely, no team activity. Um, so I had like a whole Sunday in San Francisco as a perk of the job. Like that's just insane. Like that's utterly ridiculous as, as a thing, but, and that like, so I don't, undervalue that in any way shape or form and again like how many people in their lives are able to be like oh like what did what did you get from your work this week and like well i got to go to san francisco utah phoenix and uh and la (laughs) and like meet cool people in those places and watch basketball like that's insane but at the same time like you're working so like if uh and you see it like you see a bunch of burnout and uh, if you don't love what the work part of it all that other stuff becomes a distraction pretty quickly that disappears. So yeah, that would be how I describe the road monotonous, but also like just insanely cool. (laughs) I love that. That's a great description. And look, what, what I was most excited about getting you in the room for this season is we've had like a real baby boom in the BBL media. So we have young, ambitious, hungry creatives and I think a lot, a lot of this is to do with what you have achieved. You know, what, what you've put on the map is, is given these guys a, a bit of a compass, a bit of a guiding, a bit of a guiding light. Like what, what advice would you give to them as they move forward? You know, obviously you've highlighted both on and off fair about consistency is key. Is that the main thing? You know, is it to make sure that you love what you do? Like what what advice would you give them? Because I'm sure they're intrigued and they're listening because I can see them every day. They they want to do more, they want to be engaged. They're maybe not articulating it in the right way, but they are saying things that are true, you know, in terms of they they want more from a particular club or they want more from a particular program or something that's going on. What what would you say to them? 
I think what you said is is pretty much it. I think it's a mix of all of it, right? Like I think that for me, and like I highlight this in style, like I did my job at the writers for like a year and a half before I got paid a penny to do anything. Like I didn't get into it thinking there was going to be a paycheck. I didn't get into trying to learn how to like film and take photos because I was like, oh, I want to work in an NBA one day. Like I just wanted to help that club. I wanted to help the game. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what it gave to me in life, like felt an obligation to give back in some way. And that sounds very, I don't know, airy fairy and like, I don't, like, I don't know, word, but like for someone that's sitting in the NBA and has got this like cool career out of it. But um, yeah, like I wanted to leave it in a better place. I found it. So for like those young guys doing it, like I hope they're doing it because they enjoy it. Like there's not a whole ton of money for those people. So I, I'm pretty sure that'd be like, it's be a weird thing to start thinking you're going to get a payday out of it. Um, even, even when you get to here, like we've had you know, people leave for higher paying jobs outside of sports, sports, not a high paying field, unless you are on the field or on the court. So, because there's, there's crazy competition. I, like I said, there's 500 people that apply for my job, which means there's 499 plus that could, that would do my job if I left. <laughs> um, so I think like, for, so those, like those guys that are younger, like a, Take advantage of how much time you have. You know, if you're living at home, you're at school, like don't have a ton of responsibilities. You can invest a lot of your own time into getting better and improving and, and betting on yourself to for that to lead to something. Um, I think that you know, I, I did it without consciously thinking about it, but like, you know, I didn't take many days off. I didn't go on holidays. I wasn't saving money to, you know, fly to the south of France. I was saving money because I wanted a new lens because that would allow me to do more and test myself. And I wanted to spend some money on a photo shoot because there wasn't the money in the club, but that would be cool for me to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not great with the giving advice. I think everyone has their own journeys. Um, I just hope that they, like, if it's something they love to do, then – then go all in with it and see where it takes you because you, you don't know like what that is going to lead to. I think that content and brand is going to become more and more important. I think that the BBL as a whole is only scratching the surface and has a multitude of ways to improve as to what it's doing. And I think that the people you speak about are probably going to be um, the future of that. That said, like if it's something you want to do as a career, you need to at some point start to look at like, well, what separates you from someone else? Like what, because there's not, no one's going to give you a job just because you like doing it. Like you have to have a prerequisite skill set that makes you good for that job. Right. So like you look at Joel at Bristol and like, he's still not even full-time like basketball, right. He's doing football stuff. He's doing other things for, for the organization there's not too many people that are full-time making basketball content in the UK, in the, in the world. <laughs> There's not too many people that are full-time making basketball content. So I think like you've got to love it. And then you've got to look at from a, if you call it advice, like career progression, like identify like what you can do and then be like honest with yourself as to whether someone's going to pay you to do that. Um, so for me, right, I, I was with the writers, I was doing all our media stuff and that's what I came known for. But like that was 30% of my job. Most of the time I was on the phone to referees or court bookings or 
bus hires or coaches. Like it was, it was that side that I was like, that the money was there for at the time. And the media stuff was something I wanted to do. And, and Russell was good enough to kind of let me run with it. And then we saw value and it kind of snowballed. But I think like being realistic and honest of like how many people are going to be able to work full-time in basketball is tough. And if that's the case, if you're young and looking to make it a career, then where is your income source going to be until the money catches up from a basketball sense? Are you going to need to film weddings to then be able to do basketball games? Are you going to have to take an off-court role in some other place? And I hope that more clubs see the value in content. Like I've said for years, I hope the BBL puts in rules as to how much money you need to pay your off-court. You have a salary cap on court. If you took the money you paid your sixth or seventh player paid a high level marketer, you're going to make more than double that back to be able to pay the sixth or seventh player. Mm. Most clubs don't have the foresight or the cash flow to be able to take that hit or be able to take that mindset shift between like the money on the court and the money off the court. So I hope that changes and then I think that will open up opportunities. But I think the guys I see, you know, the Desi rules of the world, BBL fixes, like I think they're doing good things. I hope they're talking to each other. Uh, I've spoken to a few of them. I want to do a bit more of that this summer and where I can help, I think, is not necessarily my experience, but connect them to some people that can help them with what they're doing. But yeah, like what I was saying before we jumped on call is like a lot of the people and and you guys for this podcast is, is a testament to it. You start something, you enjoy it for a little bit, and then either something else gets in the way or that love fades or you realize that, this is a grind and is it really worth it? And all these type of doubt things come in and people stop. And then you look at someone like Sam Nita and what he has done for a decade plus with Hoops Fix. Like you talk about me paving the way, like he was doing it. He was doing that stuff. And then Greg Tanner was doing that with streetball.co.uk before him. And like, so Sam's like the testament to like keeping something going for, for a long period of time that has just become a part of the culture that's like, it's so ingrained that, it maybe doesn't get highlighted enough. Like I see what Desi Real has done this year and like the growth for him as a, as a creator, as his channel, how that's helped the game is, is awesome. I don't know if he does that without what Sam did for the last decade, you know, like, and Sam's still doing what he's done for the last decade. And like now he's grown out to put in, you know, inspirational events for youth and forming charities to, to have like tangible products and legacy. Like, it's incredible. So yeah, for the younger guys, man, it's about like if you love it, you're if you love it and you actually love it, you're already gonna do all the things you need to do. You're gonna ask questions, you're gonna find the people that that you can ask them to, you're gonna look at what other people are doing. I think the digital space is so unique in the sense that it's outward facing, right? So if you're an if you're an aspirational young coach, you could watch, you know, Padnostro, McLeod, like what they've done this season. And you see on the court what the team looks like, but the volume of those people that will see what they're doing in practice, what they're saying to their team, how they're interacting in the locker room is super, super small. With digital media, like you see every output. So if you like what a brand is doing, you can follow and look at that brand and then aim to replicate exactly what they're doing. You're able to see their strategy and their tactics and the results of of all of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think like if you'd actually love it, then you're going to go and like, you're going to go and do that. Right. Like um, 
there's an actor I can't remember the method, but it's like, there's a quote goes something like if you it, yeah it's like if you love it enough you're gonna watch it right like if you love basketball as a coach Jay a player Drew like you guys will spend crazy hours watching games making notes like to the point probably and I, I don't want to speak for you but like if you're watching a game I doubt that you can enjoy it fully as a fan like you were when you were a young kid right like if you're watching you're probably like yeah like why didn't you come a flat screen differently like you know that's a questionable substitution like that guy was hot or like what are you do like there's you start to dissect because you love it and you want the detail of it um and so the guys that are making content i hope like that's what's going to naturally happen like, if they love it they're going to start to dissect what you know, the Bulls are doing, what Nike are doing, what Ohio State are doing. And college is like a great place to look because it's run by, a, there's a lot of like young people in there that are, that are running those channels, uh, especially lower level college. Like, so yeah, like it's, it's a perfect profession to be able to watch, learn, replicate, do, expand than anything else I can think of. And I'm biased, but, you know, even players, like you can see what the product is in the court, but you might not see the workouts. Like, there's countless examples. You want to be a nurse, you got to go and study before they're even going to let you in a theater to see someone in action. And so the point to entry is so low, the capability and like learning capacity is so high. Everything you need to know is on YouTube and anything that isn't on YouTube, you can learn by watching what someone else is doing. And then like, it's, it's like most professions, like it's close knit. Like everyone that has reached any point in their career has probably got there through somebody helping them or giving them some advice. Like you guys coach players, like you want to, I'm sure like there's people in your career path that you turn to, to ask advice, to, to help you on your journey. I'm the same. And so when someone asks you, like if a young coach, young player, like you give them the time of day, it might, it, may, it might be five days later, it might be in the off season. It might like, might not be a two minute response, which, some people expect, but you're going to give that time back for the most part. And there's very few people I've met that aren't willing to do that. So again, like they're going to start asking questions, then they'll start reaching out to people and then they'll start to, I hope like they start to look to collaborate. Like I see Desi Reels content on Hootsfix. Like that's the game. Like if you can start to populate, do, still do your own thing, but help populate other channels, that's going to grow the game. That's going to produce more opportunities. Like, you know, Sam's going to like start running events again at some point post this pandemic. Like if you've worked with him for a season, helping cover the league, you know, I think that's going to lead to potentially some event coverage, which then leads to maybe it's a Nike sponsored event and you meet the Nike rep and then Nike's like, Oh, like you were doing that. Oh, nice. And now I know your face. Oh, by the way, we've got this coming up. Like it snowballs. I think it's with everything. Like I'm not, I'm, I would say I'm a terrible networker, but I also just enjoy talking to like-minded people. And so I hate the the smoochy, let me get to know you because you might be able to do something for me in the future. But I love the, hey, let me come and help you with your random ass event in the middle of nowhere that I've never even heard of. Like I flew to Montpellier in France one summer to shoot um, Fees, which is an extreme sports festival. Uh, I have a friend that lives there. So I was like, ah, oh, cool, let me do it. Like, that led to so many random connections and things that I was not planning in any way, shape or form. Like I was just like, yeah, South of France, summer, cool event. Let me take some photos. So that was again, a long ramble, but I think that my advice is just to continue on your journey, like utilize the time you have a lot of hours in the day. If you're in school, like you have from three thirty four PM till you go to sleep, 
minus homework time. If you're spending six hours a night on Call of Duty, then probably you don't want to get out much better. Like, and just be honest with yourself. That's cool. Like, do it for as long as you can. But like, probably not going to gain a contract with Nike or Adidas out of the bat off the back of that. Mm. I think like that consistency and just looking at yourself and what you want to get from it and just enjoying like all of the all of the terribleness that comes with it. And if you enjoy that, and all the good things will be cool as well. Yeah. Then you're in, but uh, yeah, no, I I love that. That's awesome. And that's such an important message. I think that that was one of the things I was excited about them seeing and uh, that it's been awesome. I could, I could carry on. I've got questions, but uh, you know, you're our first road trip guest. Doesn't get any better than this all the way from Chicago guys. We promise you some road tripping. Maybe some people took it a little bit too literally, but we are trying to get around to different places but we'll have to catch up soon for sure. If you're around in the summer, it'd be great to catch up. We're, we're trying to get to as many events as we possibly can. But uh, until then, mate, just enjoy the summer and we'll speak to you soon. Hi, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having man. me. Keep up. Like, enjoy, enjoy the episodes I've caught so far this season. I think it's cool that hopefully this, you know, this is just one thing and a big, big string of bows that the BBL continues to to push forward going forward. Great job to both of you uh, and everyone involved. Like, I'm sure as with anything, there's a bunch of people behind the scenes that, that don't get seen. So good work to all of those guys as well. It's, it's cool that you guys have kept this going for a season and hopefully continues long into the future. That's it. Thanks, man. I appreciate, appreciate your time. It, Thank you, guys. See you, man. Easy. Great first guest right there. We appreciate Joe's time. That's it from me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out my socials for a little tease tomorrow that you might find interesting. We'll see you next week for more road trip adventures. Drew, lead us out. We sign off, guys, on episode one of Road Trip Edition, where we plan to catch a few events throughout the UK this summer. Also checking up with guests across the world. So catch us here every week, although the pod date will fluctuate from week to week. We promise content. Jay and I head to O'Hare Airport to the next stop. And so we'll see you there on the show. The show. Thanks for listening to the BBO show. The BBO show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter facebook and instagram where you can find details on future episodes events and fan interaction until next time